Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Um, as we've been in our series called Forever Changed, um, we've talked about a lot of different people and um, how people have encountered Jesus in the ways that that left them different in uh, permanent ways. And um, so I was, uh, I was thinking about who I wanted to talk about this week, and I thought about lots of different people. I was like, man, you know who got really changed by Jesus? Peter did. And then I talked to Eben about it, like, as I was, like, most of the way done with, like, preparing. And he's like, yeah, I just talked about Peter two weeks ago. You guys probably remember that. I was like, oh, I have a confession to make. I was teaching the youth class that day. I did not go back and watch the message on the live stream. True, true confessions. Um, so I had no idea that he was talking about him. But Evan was gracious enough to let me talk about Peter again. Um, and I think that, I think that is still, uh, there's still more to say about him because he, he's one of the uh, disciples that we know the most about. In many ways, he's us in the story. You know, all the ways that we are that we struggle and that we encounter Jesus. Peter is an example of those. And um, so I have gone back and listened to the message now, so I shouldn't hopefully say exactly the same things again. But if I do say anything that's familiar from two weeks ago, just remember that you can never have too much of the gospel. Maybe if I say something again that God wants to really sink that thing down into your heart. I'm going to try my best not to be redundant, though. And I think that um, what I'm bringing about Peter will be uh, a good follow-up. And it actually is from later in his life than what Evan discussed as well. So if you want to join me, you can go ahead and turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 16. And I want to, I want to read a section here. And... Um, been trying to decide like how much I want to like steal my own thunder from later in the message but the the thing that we're looking at with Peter is is how being forever changed by the Lord fits together with the setbacks and the mistakes and the things that we might make right um, so Peter just had uh, a lot of highs and lows in his journey, as as we all do. That's why I say he's us. You know, he went from like great success to like stunning failure really quickly. Do any of you identify with that? <laughs> Sometimes in reverse, you know, like I um, I don't always like do things that are super coordinated, but like the most coordinated things I do is when I have just knocked something over. I like I knock it over and then catch it. I'm like, did anyone see that? That was so cool. But it all happened because I was clumsy. And I think Peter is a little bit like that sometimes, too. So I'm going to put this right here. Maybe you'll get to see one of those today. (laughs) Um, But we're in Matthew chapter 16, and I want to start reading in verse 13. Um, So Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Um, The Son of Man is the name that Jesus used to refer to himself. He was emphasizing his humanity along with his divinity. And so he's basically saying, 
who, do, who, who are people saying that I am? What are people saying about me? And by the way, this is, uh, this is about the most important question in the world. Who, who you know, so he, he's asking them, what, what are people saying about me? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And that's, that's the question, right? That's, that's the question, the fundamental question that we need to address and that we need to be helping other people address in their lives. You know, it doesn't really matter how many good things we do or how you know, proficient we are at our different jobs or tasks or how well we live our lives if we don't know the answer to this question. This is the question that leads to salvation. Who do you say I am? And here comes Peter. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So what a moment, right? That's like when you're in class and you give the perfectly right answer, and the teacher's like, gold star for you. Jesus Jesus said, you nailed it. And that's, the, um, you can almost feel him being like, oh yeah, all right. Because look at, I mean, look at what Jesus said to him. You're, you're Peter, and you're the rock that I'm going to build my church on. I mean, he just, this was a really good answer, because he got a really good response. And um, a couple of, uh, a couple of things I want to note about this before we move on, because it's just, you know, we're talking about, I kind of spoiled it, we're talking about setbacks, so don't, don't read ahead yet, but spoilers, one is coming. Um, but while we're here, I just want to talk about what, um, what happened a little bit in, in what Jesus said here. So Simon has, has had this divine insight into who Jesus is, and Jesus tells him, and although it might be easy to be puffed up, he's, he's telling him in a way that should hopefully promote humility. He's like, you know, there's no, uh, when it says, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, that basically means you didn't think of this yourself. You didn't come up with this out of your own wisdom. There's no person, your father or mother or your friend didn't tell you about this, you know. Um, Simon was originally recruited to follow Jesus slightly by his brother. You know, it wasn't your brother. It wasn't your father. You know, it was, it was the Lord that revealed this to you. And so he's saying that God has showed you something about who he is. Because he's showed you who I am. The Christ, the Son of God. And... What he does, it's really cool how he changes it. So when he answers him, he says, he calls him by his old, you know, they didn't really do first and last names 
in Bible times like we did. You were, you know, you were you, the son of whoever you were the son of, right? And that's how he addressed him first, Simon bar Jonah. That just means you're the son of Jonah, right? That's his, that's his like last name, quote unquote, before. Um, so he says, hey, Simon, son of Jonah, you, did this, you knew this because of the Lord. And then he says, and I tell you, you are Peter, which means rock. It's, it's Greek. Um, you're the rock, and I'm, I will build my church on you. And um, the, we know that um, actually later on in Acts, when somebody was looking for Peter, um, we, like when the Lord spoke to um, Cornelius, this is just a side note, and told him to go find Peter, he said, go look for someone, Simon, whose surname or last name is Peter. So he just, like, it doesn't matter whose son you are anymore, now this is who you are. You're Peter, this is your new last name. And, um, and you're the rock. The cool thing that I think about this for us, and this is, this is so important for us to know, is that if we want to know, like, you know, Jesus changed something of his identity. He spoke destiny and purpose over him. But if we want to know who we are, we need to know who Jesus is first. Do you see that progression? God revealed to Peter who Jesus was, and in knowing that, it was revealed to him who he was. That progression is applicable to all of us. I don't think that we can ever know the full depths of who we are until we know who Jesus is. Because our true identity is not only found in him, but it's going to be spoken to us by him as we get to know him, as we walk in relationship with him. So that progression is very important. He knew who Jesus was, and because of that, Jesus was able to speak to him who he was. And who he was, what an what a image. I mean... <laughs> There's a lot of ways you could go with that. How would you take it if someone called you a rock? Um, are you as intelligent as a rock? Are you as <laughs> strong and reliable as a rock? One of those seems to apply to Peter. Maybe one of them doesn't, though. Like <laughs> This guy was often all over the place. He, he was... Um, he was mercurial in some ways, the highs and lows. You know, he's maybe not the one you would expect to be a rock. But isn't it often true that many of us struggle the most at exactly the place where our destiny is called to be? Hmm. You know, I know so many people who have been called to be good husbands and fathers who struggle with purity. I know people who are extremely gifted and talented that struggle with laziness. We want to be aware that the thing that we're called to do is also the thing that will be opposed. And Jesus has even given him a hint here in this verse. He's like, you're Peter, and I'm going to build my church on you, and the gates of hell won't prevail against you. But the implication is that it's coming. You know, the, the fight is coming um, against your calling to be this rock. He's like, you, they won't beat you, but it, it's coming. And, um, and uh, the fight maybe was coming uh, sooner than he even expected. But 
I just felt like that was important for a lot of us to hear that the thing where you feel challenged in the most, that might be exactly where God is calling you into destiny. And you need to hear that if Jesus is calling you to something, the gates of hell won't stand against it. And I just speak that over you all today, that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the thing that God has called you to do. I'm going to, man, I'm going to skip over a few things here. I mean, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that's what a, what a promise. Um, that's how, you know, how this is versus how Peter became the guy that like sits at the pearly gates, right? In like the legend. I don't really know if any of that is true, but that came from this verse. He's, he's like the gatekeeper. I don't think that's what Jesus meant. But we're going to pass over that verse because I want to get on to what happens next. Anyway, Peter just had this, this moment of identity. And probably like us, he was wondering like, am I, am I really that? Mixed with like, yeah, I am that. Because that's how Jesus' calling is on our lives. It's like, you like, I don't know, Jesus, am I really that thing? But then like, deep down, you're like, yeah, that, you, you're, it resonates in your heart. Like, you know, this is what you're called to be. So that's the state in which Peter is. He's like, um, he's like riding this, <laughs> riding this moment, I picture it. Not exactly in the scriptures. But then Jesus takes this turn that Peter wasn't expecting. Verse 20, after he's like, yeah, you you got it. I am the Christ. You know, this was the first time that he really like came right out and said that to them. I mean, they'd seen all the miracles and, and stuff, so they, they had a good idea of it. But he had never really been like, yeah, you're, you're right. I am. This is the one. And so... So... Then, but then he, in verse 20, he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So Peter, now holding the keys of the kingdom, feeling like a rock, decided he was going to teach Jesus something. He took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But uh, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Um, I'll give you a hint. No one else in the Bible gets called Satan. <laughs> other than Satan. It's the same word. It's accuser. It's a proper noun. He said exactly what he meant. I looked it up and like, maybe he meant something different. <laughs> no. So, <clears throat> so what do we make of that? I mean, he just... Got finished telling him what his name was. You're Peter. You're the Rock, and now uh, he just became the mouthpiece of Satan. Basically, you know what? The reason why Jesus said that, I think, is because that's basically we don't. Peter said, "No, you're never going to go and suffer all those things." That's the same temptation that Jesus faced in the wilderness before his ministry started. Right? 
Satan was like, hey, you know, just bow down to me. I'll give you all the kingdoms of everywhere. You won't have to do the hard thing that you came to do. You just, just rule with me. It'll be great. And that's the same thing that Peter was saying to him. It was not the voice of the Lord. It was a hindrance because it wasn't focused on the things of God. And that's where, you know, maybe that's where Peter got off track and where we can get off track as well. Like, God often, like, gives us a blessing or a calling, and we're like, thanks, God, take it from, I'll take it from here. You know, Peter's like, okay, I'm the rock, and now I'm going to tell you how it is. Or, but he was thinking of an earthly kingdom. And we often try to use our gifts to build our own earthly kingdoms as well. Jesus was thinking about something heavenly. And anything that wasn't on that page was a distraction to him, a hindrance. And um, Man, isn't, uh, you know... We could single Peter out for this, but like, isn't this us? I mean, I feel like this is us. This is, and this is, uh, you know, the fact that Jesus draws attention to Satan's role in it is very telling because this is the enemy's strategy with all of us. He does not have power to prevent the breakthrough of the Holy Spirit from working in our lives. Um, but what he does is just come after us and come after it happens and get us to not believe it. It's the same sneaky trick he's been trying from the beginning, but Satan will suggest a temptation to you in your thoughts. Then when you give into it, he'll tell you how bad you are for doing it and undermine all the identity that Jesus has been trying to speak to you. Have you guys experienced this before? You come off of like an amazing like time with the Lord, you receive prayer and like spiritual healing and then go and yell at your kids. Or get in a fight about lunch with your spouse on the way home from church. I don't want to go to sit to's again. No. That doesn't I'm, I don't know. Um But <laughs> that's, that's where the voice of the enemy often comes in because those, it's easy for us to believe that those mistakes disqualify us. You'd be like, look at what you just did. That whole thing that happened, that wasn't even real. Do you even know Jesus? And I, I think that's, you know, that must have been what Peter was feeling here. He's like, whoa, am I... Am I the rocker? Am I Satan? You know, like, who? And um, the way that uh, the way that Jesus handled that might have seemed harsh to him, but he, Jesus was amazing in the way he handled things. He he redirected Peter in that moment, but like. What we do when we like experience like that conviction of God because we mess up right after something good happens is we want to like distance ourselves from him. But, you know, there was nowhere for Peter to go. He was still following Jesus and Jesus stayed right in relationship with him after saying this really hard thing to him. And I think that's the thing that Jesus had and always has had and still has about him is that he's able to say hard things because the 
breadth and the extent and the fullness of his love that follows us everywhere is so much more powerful that we know that there's no um, there's no desire for separation. There's just a, a desire for correction. And that's what I want to remind us of today, that, that when we we experience these setbacks, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we haven't been forever changed, right? Because that's what we come off these mountaintops thinking, like, well, I'm different now. I'm going to be different forever. And you will, but that doesn't mean you won't mess up again. And <laughs> it's really important that we're able to have that grace and not take the calling of God onto ourselves as pressure that we have to live up to. Because, like, Jesus might take it away or we might miss out on it somehow. And the gifts and the call of God are given without repentance, Paul said in Romans. That means the same word that um, Evan talked about with Peter's repentance a couple weeks ago, metanoia, God doesn't change his mind about the gifts and the calling that he puts on our lives. Uh, Throughout the Bible, you know, from... Samson to David to you know Elijah to any number of other people who tried to run away from their calling, they found that it was still there when they came back. <laughs> and uh, that's the same for us. That's the same for Peter as well. When God calls you, he's already seen the end from the beginning. He already knows all the things that are coming in between that moment and you walking into the fullness of the promise. And he's given it to you anyway. There's so much more we could say about this, but I want to read to you something from Luke um, chapter 22. Um, (laughs) You know, Jesus was always offering this corrective. You know, he... um, this is part of like the, the Last Supper narrative in Luke. And Jesus was like, hey, you guys have stayed with me through my trials, and I'm giving you my kingdom that the Father gave me, and you're going to sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes. It's a lot like the whole rock of the church kind of thing. And then he, it's like super abrupt segue, but he goes to talking directly to Peter, and he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Isn't that awesome? The reason your faith is not going to fail is because Jesus prays for you. But look at what he says then next. I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. The calling is, he already knows that Peter's going to turn away. He says, he's giving him advanced instructions. Hey, when you come back, strengthen your brothers. And the calling is still there. Satan is not going to have you. You're not going to be sifted like wheat. And of course, here comes Peter again. Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And then Jesus tells him, well... I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. But look at what he calls him while he's telling him that. You know, when it was the part about Satan demanding to sift you, it was Simon. This is who you were before. The devil wanted you. 
when he says, you're going to deny me three times, it's Peter. You're still Peter. (laughs) You're still the rock. And, um, I don't don't know about you guys, but that's powerful to me and to any of us who have ever denied Christ by our words or actions in any way. That the thing that God has called you to be, the change, the forever change that he's put in your heart as you've encountered him, is still in effect. On the other side of actions and words that are nothing but failure. Yeah, Jesus has already seen those things and has extended his welcome anyway. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. And wouldn't you know it, it happened. You know, if you read 1 Peter and 2 Peter, which are the letters that Peter wrote to the church after he had turned back, he, that was, he did it. He strengthened the brothers. That's, that's what those things were like, all about. His focus in those, he's like, you know, you need to stand firm so that you won't be swayed back and forth by deceptive words of people. Like, he understood what it meant to be tossed by the waves and unstable. And he, throughout those, was giving the church instructions for how to be solid. He was building something. And, I mean, we could do a, a whole study on that, but it's really cool um, to see in, throughout. You'll have to take my word for it, but there are only like eight chapters altogether. You could just read them tonight and see it. Um, but, you know, <laughs> was, was Peter forever changed? He was. Did he still struggle along the way? And will we still struggle along the way? Yeah, but it doesn't invalidate anything that the Lord has spoken to us. It's easy for us to make what we believe, that is our doctrine, line up with what we see. And if we just look at ourselves and what we see in ourselves, we won't believe the promises that Jesus has made to us because we're we're not going to see it in there. But if we look to him and we believe that his truth is truer than the falsehood that's inside us, that his strength is more powerful than our weakness. If we really will believe those things about Jesus, that's how not only will we find out who we are, but we'll continue to walk in those things, even as we are the mixed bag that we are. Can you guys hear that? Um, I want to pray a blessing over us. I, I don't know how God is calling each of you to respond to this. If anything that I'm saying is hitting you, like maybe you're in that place right now where you like know that Jesus said something to you in the past, but you're not seeing it right now. Maybe... You know, I don't, I don't know. There's any number of places that the people that are here in this room could be. But I want to um, just take a moment here in silence to just respond to whatever God is doing in your heart. 
Um, the, the worst thing that we could do when God is trying to speak this life into us is just like turn the switch off too quickly. It's like, okay, let's get out of here. Let's get out of this room where Jesus is saying the hard things to me. Um, let it just sit for a moment and I, just ask Jesus what he wants to speak over you. Maybe he wants to call to your mind something from the past that he's spoken over you that you forgot or that you have discounted because you don't think you are going to live up to it. So come, Lord, would you speak to us now? Would you guide us into your truth? Some of us, God is going to want to show something about who he is so that we can know something about who we are. So I just want to speak blessing over us now and the things that God is calling us to do. I speak a blessing over you that Jesus has seen your struggle and has decided to bless you anyway. Jesus' calling is still there for you if you feel like it's been lost. Some of you, Jesus is showing you who he is. He's speaking his love to you right now. He's answering that question, who do you say I am? When I was, uh, when I was in the youth class, I was actually asking him that question. I felt like the Lord, you know, when I was missing the other sermon about Peter, I was in the youth class asking them about how, who they say God is. And uh, one of them said something that I felt is so relatable for us. They said that um, I feel like Jesus is angry at me because like, when I walk by my Bible and I don't pick it up, you know. And I, I don't remember if I said this at the time, but what I should have said right then is like, no, he's not angry. He just really wants to hang out. Some of you need to hear that too. There's guilt. Um, if there's guilt or shame on your life, that's uh, that's not how God sees you because he sees you through who his son is. And he welcomes you. And he's not mad at you for not picking up the Bible, but he would love it if you did because he would just love to meet with you. So I speak that blessing over you too. There's no guilt. There's no pressure in the call of God because it's God that works in us to will and to do according to his purpose. Everything that we accomplish, he does for us, Isaiah said. So the power that'll do it is his. And you don't have to take that on yourself. You're calling in your destiny and God is not a weight it's a privilege and a blessing and an opportunity to just see God's power be revealed. And I speak that that would be released over you now in Jesus' name.
one of the ways that you can say yes to what God is calling you to do is just to invite someone else into it. Um, I wanted to leave a chance for people that are here to just share with someone by you. You don't have to share with the whole group, but like share with someone near you what God is calling you to do. If you feel like that's a step he would ask you to take. Um, just uh, just put it out there. Because once you put it out there, then you have to rely on God to do it. It's not just like stuck in your head anymore. And you can't just like forget about it when the devil comes to tempt you. Or like the next time you mess up. Because that person will be able to tell you that it's real. Um, so maybe we could close with a song. and But like during it, I, if, if God is asking you to, to share something of his calling with somebody that you came with, would you do that? Would you take a step in responding?